Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Um, we're going to continue our lesson um, on the plan of salvation, the biblical plan of salvation, I would like to add. Um, does everybody have a book, a workbook? Everybody got one? Got a pen, Bible, ready to roll? Um, I want to ask you guys, if you have children with you, um, get them involved in this lesson. Um, if they are old enough to write, have them fill in the blanks on that workbook. Um, it definitely is not going to hurt, and they may not understand everything, but the Holy Ghost has a way of just putting seeds in our children. So um, moms and dads, why don't you give little Junior, little Susie a little pen, and a <laughs> little Junior, Ed will give Junior, little Junior a pen. Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight. And so I have these young people up here to help me because I want them to get into the Word of God too. And, um, you know, the last, the last couple ladies' meetings we've had, I talked about our children. And um, it's one thing to get up and talk about it, but it's another thing to actually do it. So the things that we talked about, ladies, if you were here, I encourage you to apply those principles. Um, and we need, to, we need to pray over our children. We need to teach them the Word of God. We need to get them in love with the Word of God. That's one thing I pray over my kids every day. God, let them love your Word. Let them love your Word and love your presence. If they can stay in His Word and in His presence, they're going to be all right. So... Anyway, we're not talking about that tonight, but I just want to encourage you as we talk about these things, uh, Bible study type things, your kids can, they can handle it. They can handle it. All right, so um, last week we talked about repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. Um, so that's kind of the first two steps. I hate to say that there's like three steps to salvation because there's more than that, um, because it doesn't stop. Like once you get the Holy Ghost, it's not like, okay, I'm saved. Now I can just go do my own thing. It's a continual process. Staying saved, <laughs> especially nowadays. I just work on trying to stay saved. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about the next step, um, which is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know the spirit world is a very, very real thing? I told somebody last night, it's more real than me and you talking right now. The spirit world, Sister Jessica um, taught our ladies meeting last night, and I, I'll make a plug. Ladies, you should be there. Please, I'm asking you. This is a good time, good opportunity for our ladies to get together and dive into the Word of God. If you at all can be there, I'm asking you to be there. Anyways, she taught an incredible lesson last night about prayer, but she was talking about the spirit world. And there are demons, and there are angels, and there's war going on. And the Bible talks about familiar spirits. Anybody ever heard that term before? 
I think my father-in-law is the one I heard talk about it. We're assigned kind of a familiar spirit. Satan's like, this is your person, and you're going to follow them around, and your job is to take them to hell. And they are watching. They know what buttons to push. They know what's going to trip you up, and they watch what you do. They watch what you watch. They watch what you read and listen to and the conversations you have, and they know what buttons to push. And we have also angels that are warring with us, but we've got to activate those angels through our prayer. But anyways, the, the spirit world is a very real place, a very real situation in our lives. There is spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And whoever has that, pick up the microphone and read it loud and proud. And that's you, Dakota. You got it? It's not you? I didn't give you Ephesians 6.12? Ah, you're right. I'm wrong. Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Tell your neighbor, I'm not going to fight you right now. (laughs) Okay? Right now. No, it could change later. No, I'm just kidding. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That right there is difficult in our humanity because flesh and blood is what we see. That's how we relate to one another is through flesh and blood. And so sometimes we can get really caught up in wanting to wrestle against the flesh and blood. But Paul is telling us we don't wrestle against that, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the word principality... I looked that up today. I kind of knew what it kind of meant, but I wanted to make sure. But it's just basically a state that's ruled by a prince. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 identifies this prince that we do wrestle against. Dakota, now it's you. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is Satan. That's, that's who it's talking about. And so we need to recognize that we are wrestling against Satan And he's out to take us to hell. That is his number one goal. He wants to steal, kill, destroy. He wants us out of it. So we need to understand this. And if you think that you can overcome the prince of the power of the air and the powers of this world and the darkness of this world and the spiritual wickedness in high places without the Holy Ghost, you are mistaken. It's never going to happen. And so before we get into our notes and to the workbook, I need, I need us to understand that we need the Holy Ghost. We need it for many reasons. And I've heard people say before, well, I mean, do you have to have it? I'm like, uh, yes, you do, but why wouldn't you want it? I am never going to be able to overcome the principality, the power of darkness and rulers in high place. I can't do that on my own. I mean, I could, I could take some people, but I ain't going to be able to take all that by myself. I've got to have the help of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to overcome darkness, but we also need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. Do we believe that still? You got to have the Holy Ghost to get to heaven. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 
But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicketh up er, your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So if you're going to make it to heaven, you got to have the Holy Ghost living with you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is what we have to have living inside of us that's going to quicken these mortal bodies when the trumpet sounds. So in order to get out of here when Jesus returns, we must be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that's going to give us our liftoff when the trumpet sounds. So tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you must have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, the way that we're going to talk about it tonight, when Jesus comes back, you will not go. Now, that's hard to hear. And people out there, they don't want to hear that. They think, well, I'm a good person. I, I'm nice to people. I give to charities. That's great and that's good. But the Bible says you must be born again. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. A few additional benefits of having the Holy Ghost besides the first two we just talked about. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh in intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is going to help our infirmities. It's going to help us know how to pray. How many of you have ever, you felt like you needed to pray? You felt a heaviness or a burden, and you didn't, you didn't really know exactly what it was, but you just knew you needed to pray, and you go into prayer, and you just start speaking in tongues? That's the Holy Ghost praying through you. And what you're doing is you're doing things in the Spirit that you may never understand. You may never know until you get to heaven. But when you feel that, do not ignore it. I can tell you so many testimonies testimonies of people that have felt that need to pray. They didn't know why, but they just went into prayer, and the Holy Ghost prayed through them, and things were happening in countries. Things were happening across the nation that, that God intervened in it because of prayers that were prayed that we don't even know. Um, some of the fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit being the Holy Ghost, Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These are benefits. I mean, how many of you, since you've gotten the Holy Ghost, can say, I love differently? I love people that really, before the Holy Ghost, <laughs> didn't really like them, much less love them. He's given us joy. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That's something that comes from having the Spirit. Peace. Ooh, you can't put a price on that. Cannot put a price on that. Long-suffering, gentleness. I, I, it's amazing to me in all my years of being in the church and, and watching the Holy Ghost change people, people that were mean and hateful and just rough, turning gentle. Nothing can do that except the Holy Ghost. That is a fruit of the Spirit, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are benefits of having the Holy Ghost. So why wouldn't we want the Holy Ghost? And before we leave here, I know this is Bible study night, but if you need the Holy Ghost, do not leave here tonight without it. I don't care. I don't care if it's Wednesday night. Jesus can fill people with the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night, just so everybody knows. 
And I'm, I wouldn't leave here. You don't know. Jesus could come back as soon as we walk out the doors. Or heaven forbid something else happens and you just go meet Jesus face to face. And you need the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> um, my dad, when he passed away, I, I claimed his Bible. That was the one thing I told everybody. I was like, I'm getting his Bible. Um, it's, and it has been really cool. And you may have seen me bring it into church sometimes. <clears throat> and I love using it. It's massive. It's like as big as my head. But it, it has so many incredible, just cool things. Like he's got little notes written on the side. And ver- certain verses are highlighted. And um, it's just really neat. But when I first got it, I opened it up. And he had tons of notes in there, like preaching notes. He was old-fashioned and wrote his notes out by hand. Um, And usually it was like one or two pages, and he would get up and just have some stuff jotted down. But I found something that I wanted to share with you all tonight um, that I just love. How many of you know we are an apostolic Pentecostal church? And through this discipleship course, the the, the whole purpose of it is to get you engrafted into the church. And we all need to be on the same page on what we believe to teach the doctrines. And, and um, I personally am so thankful for the Apostolic Pentecostal Church. It's the only thing I've ever known, and I don't want to know anything else. I'm thankful for the church, but my dad had this, and this is his handwriting, and I, like, cherish this a lot. But it says, why I'm an Apostolic Pentecostal. And he's got six things listed. He said, one, the doctrine of the new birth. Two, the transforming power of the Holy Ghost is, wel- is a welcomed experience in apostolic Pentecostal churches. And how many of you know that? You didn't, maybe you experienced other religions and you didn't know anything about the transforming power of the Holy Ghost until you walked into an apostolic church. Three, there's freedom to praise and worship God with my emotions as well as with my mind. We're a little emotional sometimes around here. You get, you get a good beat going sometimes when they, that song they do, when we do Glorious Day, there's a certain part that they do that little, I don't know what it's called, but man, I'm like, ah, I love this. This is great. Um, <laughs> for the anointing that is present in an apostolic Pentecostal ch- church, the anointing that breaks chains of bondage and chains of sin and evil. I, that one, I've, I've seen it. I, how many testimonies do we have tonight that chains of bondage have been broken off of you when you experience the power of God in the apostolic Pentecostal church? The passion to reach the world with the whole gospel, to tell the truth of the gospel across the nations. And I will say the apostolic Pentecostal church that we're a part of, missions is a big deal. We send people to uh, this church. How many people have we sent from this church to go preach the gospel? And uh, God didn't send everybody here just to stay here. We've got, it's the whole gospel to the whole world. And then he says, the opportunity to participate in events such as youth camps, family camps, conferences, retreats, where there are thousands of people joining in praise, prayer, worship, and preaching. These meetings change lives, alter destinies, and transform minds. Apostolic Pentecostalism is not a denomination or a religion. It is a Bible-based experience that makes new creatures out of men, women, and young people. 
How many of you are thankful to be part of an apostolic Pentecostal church? So as we talk about the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Ghost? What is the Holy Ghost? Anybody ever ask that question? I know that word ghost kind of people are like, <laughs> I don't like that. That doesn't sound good. But the, term, the terms Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, they're synonymous. It's either or. Um, one is not more powerful than the other. You know, Say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but you have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I am more spiritual than you are. That's not how it works. But holy just means to be separated or set apart. It's consecrated unto the Lord. Leviticus 11.45 for I am the Lord that bringeth you up out, of, up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. We are commanded to be holy because he is holy. So the Holy Ghost should make us holy. Ghost or spirit is an invisible being lacking a physical body. Luke twenty four thirty nine. Behold my hands and my feet that I am that. It is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. Jesus was explaining a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. It's just as simple. I mean, we know that. Since God is a spirit, guess what? He is literally the Holy Ghost. Amen. God is a spirit. Jesus, when Brother Roberts talked about this in his, in his lesson on the oneness, Jesus was the physical embodiment of God. He manifested himself in flesh. He put on a robe of flesh and came, and Jesus was that. <clears throat> the baptism of the Spirit. Baptism, from the Greek word baptizo, means to immerse. And I know my husband talked about that last week with the lesson on baptism in Jesus' name. It means to immerse. And so this baptism of the Holy Ghost means we are literally saturated by the Holy Ghost. We should be saturated by the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, fill my cup full and overflowing of the Holy Ghost. I don't want the Holy Ghost just to have a little part of my life. I want it saturating me, my mind, my thoughts, my desires, every part of me. And it can also imply being filled or saturated. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the Spirit of God coming to live within a person. Now, there's many terms that are used to describe the baptism of the Spirit. And so we'll talk about a few of those. Um, there's a story in the Bible in, in John, uh, an interaction that Jesus has with Nicodemus. And so this first term that we'll talk about is a new birth, a new birth. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirit. So a birth is referring to being born again. Obviously, you cannot go back and be 
born physically again. But there's got to be a transformation. It's getting a new heart. It's getting rid of the old ways and the old things and a a complete transformation. How many of you can look back before you got the Holy Ghost and not even recognize that person that you were? That's the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you are totally different. You, you look different. You talk different. You think different. Your desires are different. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Power from on high. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto both unto me both in Jerusalem and into all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Holy Ghost gives us power. Who doesn't want power? I want power. I want authority to be able to say this situation with Brother James Phillips. I want the authority to say, demons, get out of this situation, and we proclaim restoration and a change of heart and whatever needs to happen here. That's what happens when you have the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you do not have any authority over demonic forces. None. They will run right over you and leave track marks on your backside. You have no power if you don't have the Holy Ghost. I want to have authority. I want to be able to say when my children are being attacked by the enemy, I want to be able to say, devil, get out. You have no place here. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. So I, yeah, tell him to get on out of here. Amen. I want power. Living water. John chapter 4, verse 14 But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Water. It's refreshing. I'm so thankful so many times. How many of you have been through dry seasons? Everybody? A time when you just didn't feel, you just didn't feel nothing. And that probably was terrible grammar, but it was that bad. Grammar gets bad. But the Holy Ghost is a refreshing spring. It's water that just fills you and and you get into his presence and you just say, God, let your spirit just just refresh me today. And he does. It's incredible. I'm telling, I don't know why anybody wouldn't want the Holy Ghost. I'm telling, this is good stuff. It's a promise. Next one is a promise. And then we have the the motto of Apostolic Pentecostal right here. Acts chapter 2 Verses 38 through 39. Whoever's reading it, do it with whoever has it. Who has it? All right, Riley, come on. Read that thing. (laughs) Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's a promise. For you, your children, their children. I think there's a song right now. We probably won't ever do it. But it's the, to your children and their children and their children. It goes on for like 45 minutes, like for a thousand generations, literally in the song. But this is the promise of the Holy Ghost. It's for you. If you have a kid next to you right now, turn to them. Look them smack in the eyeball and say, the Holy Ghost is for you. Ava, Emmy, it's for you. Amen. It is for, it's a promise. And how many of you know God is not slack concerning his promises? 
It's a source of spiritual gifts. Is your next one a source of spiritual gifts? First uh, Corinthians twelve, verses seven through eleven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man who, to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, and to another to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. That self-same spirit, capital S, it's the Holy Ghost. It's only the Holy Ghost will give you what you need. You cannot obtain gifts of the Spirit without the Holy Ghost. You will not. You won't. These things that it lists in this scripture, the word of wisdom, the spirit of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, uh, faith, gifts of healing, uh, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, uh, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. You will not be able to obtain those spiritual gifts if you don't have the spirit, the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, God uses people. He used a donkey. Obviously, the donkey didn't have the Holy Ghost. I mean, he may have. Who knows? I mean, that would be great if donkeys. I think animals should be able to receive the Holy Ghost. Anyways, I mean, our dogs are pretty close. Not even a little. I rebuke that. They are. Um, (laughs) They love Jesus most of the time. But so obviously a donkey didn't have the Holy Ghost and the donkey wasn't really working in in a gift at that point. So God will use people, but you're not going to operate in that gifting. Okay. There's a difference. Whenever you are operating in a gifting, that's just something that sticks with you. It's, there's been people in our lives, ministries in our lives that they have a gift of faith. Brother Nichols was here several weeks ago. He operates at a level of faith that not a lot of people do. And that's a spiritual gift, all right? There are people that whenever they come and pray for you, if you need healing, they operate at a level of faith for healing, and that's a spiritual gift, Not that you can't be healed without that person, but if that person is around, there's going to be an operation of faith. And it's it's based on faith and praying in the spirit, okay? Um, But each phrase describes a benefit of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. I mean, if we just stopped here with with just those things, I don't know. I mean, I'm convinced. I, I don't know that I need any more convincing that I need the Holy Ghost. But who can receive the Holy Ghost? Who can receive the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost has been made available to anyone, anyone. I don't care how bad you are. I don't care how big of a sinner you are. It's for anyone, extended to all times. Since the day it was poured out till today, it's extended through all times and reaching to all places. I love reading about Holy Ghost outpourings over in like third world countries, people that may not even have access to technology and the things that we have, that we are privileged to have here. I think we're privileged here lately. I could do without it. But people that have no access to even clean water and good food, but 
missionaries have gone and they have been filled with the, I love hearing stories about that because it lets me know that the Holy Ghost is for anyone, anytime, anywhere. Acts chapter 2, verse 39, we read it a minute ago, but we'll read it again. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar, afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Revelations chapter 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. It's for anyone that wants it. Anyone that wants it. If you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight, the Spirit says, come on, let's do this. Just you hear what you need to do, and you're hungry, you're thirsty for it. Anyone that will, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. All flesh, young and old, men and women, fulfilled the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the blank there. Acts chapter 2, verse 16 But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet prophet Joel. All right, so what did Joel prophesy? Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Amen. So the day of Pentecost, they're all in the upper room, the Holy Ghost is poured out, and everyone around is going, what did they get a hold of? What alcoholic drink are they drinking? And he says, they're not drunk. Calm down. It's all right. It's only nine in the morning. I think that's what it what do you say, the third hour of the day? I believe that's like 9 a.m. If you're drunk at 9 a.m., you really need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Y'all should really get some help. Um, but he said, they're not drunk, as you suppose. But this is what Joel was talking about. When Joel prophesied way back in the Old Testament, Joel prophesied and said, this is what's going to happen. And it was happening. And he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And that's exactly what Pentecost was. And the cool thing is we get to experience that 2,000 years later. Every time we come together, anytime you get in your home and you get into the presence of God, you can experience that outpouring of the Holy Ghost all over again. You don't have to wait until the music at church starts on Sunday morning. Number four, anyone who is willing to do things God's way. That's who the, the Holy Ghost is for. Now, that's the tricky part. You got to do it God's way. We love doing things our way. How many of you are kind of of the um, persuasion it's my way or the highway? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. There's a lot of times it's my way or you can hit the highway. <laughs> okay. Um, but that's one, that's another reason I need the Holy Ghost is to chill that out and say, all right, you're going to do things God's way. God gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey him. The, this is one thing I think a lot of people don't, they think, well, I have to have it all together to get the Holy Ghost. I've got to be in the right place at the right time. The service has to be right. The temperature, the thermostat needs to be right. The keyboard needs to make sure they're not playing anything that's off key. 
then we can get the Holy Ghost. And I need to know everything about it. That's not true. The full knowledge and understanding, full knowledge and understanding is not required to receive the Holy Ghost. There have been people that have walked into a church for the very first time in their entire life, and God has filled them with the Holy Ghost during that service. I watched when I was a, a kid one time about, we lived not far from a, I think it was an Air Force base in Tucson. Do you remember the one? Is it Air Force? It's totally irrelevant, but I need to get my facts straight in my brain. Um, we lived close to this base, and there was a, I mean, there had been masses of soldiers from that base coming into our church at that time. And this particular Sunday, 11 of them walked in for the very first time, never stepped foot in a Pentecostal church in their life. They probably thought we were drunk, as they supposed. And um, my dad walked over to them, and they were all standing there kind of wide-eyed, but you could tell the Holy Ghost was moving on them. And uh, my dad said, do y'all, do y'all want the Holy Ghost? And they were like why not? I mean, it sounds good. (laughs) He didn't do a three-hour Bible study with them right there at the altar. He didn't, you know, he took maybe two minutes to explain a little bit, and he said, all right, if you have faith that the Lord wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to lay my hand on your head, and you're going to begin to speak with another tongue that you've never, never learned. And they're like, okay, let's do this. They raised their hands. He went down the line one by one. All 11 of them laid his hands on their head, and they all received the Holy Ghost right then. They didn't have to have a 12-week-long Bible study. They didn't have to understand everything. They just were willing to obey, and they had faith. said, I want whatever these people are feeling, that's what I want. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost. Obedience to the truth that you do know is necessary. You don't have to know everything, but if you'll obey what you do know, God responds. He gives to those who ask. He gives to those who ask. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? How many of you know that the Lord is a much better parent (laughs) than we probably are? He's a heavenly Father. And if, if we in our humanity, our evil humanity, our flesh, know how to give pretty good gifts to our kids when they ask, how much more? does God want to give to us? So if you just ask him for it, he'll give it to you. He's not dangling over your head like, all right, jump three feet higher and you can have it. That's not how he works. All right. What is the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost? The initial evidence. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right, what was the evidence? Say it. They spake with other tongues as the Spirit... Don't you hate it when the teacher says that? You're always like, oh, this is a trick question. I don't like answering out loud. There's been way too many times when my husband says, and what does that say? And I'm like, say it. And he's like, no, that's not it. I don't like it when that happens. (laughs) A funny story about that. (laughs) One time at camp, the preacher that was up there said something about how many of you love God and the kids are like yes we love God and he's like no you don't (laughs) like okay never mind anyway it's very humiliating but I won't do that none of these are trick questions okay you can trust me (laughs) but they begin to speak with other 
tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke in a different language, and the Spirit was what was giving them the ability to do that. I have never learned the language that I speak when I speak in tongues. I don't even know that it is an actual language here. Now, there have been times I've heard that people have spoken in tongues, and someone else in the crowd has recognized it as some dialect. Um, I don't think that's ever, that's never happened to me, <clears throat> but it's a heavenly language. God knows what I'm saying. And that's why whenever you are feeling that urge to pray that I talked about just a minute ago, just pray in tongues. God knows and he's praying through you. Just go with it. It fulfilled a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 28 verses 11 and 12. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. With stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. That's a prophecy back in Isaiah. He's prophesying about the infilling of the Holy Ghost and how when they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they're going to speak in another language, and there will be a heavenly rest that comes on you, or a peace. There's peace in the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, this is the story of Cornelius. Um, Cornelius was a very good man. He was your typical religious man. He was a good guy. Um, He was devout, the Bible says. So we're going to read through this story, and I'm going to point out a few little things as we go through it. So Acts chapter 10, 1 through 5. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day and an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simeon, whose surname is Peter. Simon, whose surname is Peter. All right, verses 6 through 10. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And when he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And we could go on and read more about it, but what... What happened was Cornelius, this really good guy, he's, got, he's a great man. He gives alms to the poor and prayed always. He, an angel comes and visits him and says, you need to send for Peter. A guy named Peter, he needs to tell you some things. And so all this happened without Cornelius having received the Holy Ghost yet. A godly life is not evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost because he was a, Cornelius was a good man. He was devout, but he hadn't, that's not, he had not received the Holy Ghost yet. And this angel is saying, there's more for you. There's more that has to happen than to just accept the Lord. Okay. First of all, that's not even biblical, but 
there's way more. I mean, I accept that the Lord is my Savior. I recognize that, but that does not make me saved. I'm no closer to being saved than I was before I made that statement. There's actions that I've got to take. If you're drowning in an ocean and somebody says, here, here's a lifesaver, here's a raft for you, you can say, oh, thank you for that raft. I acknowledge that raft is there. You ain't going to get saved. You're going to drown or be eaten by a shark if you don't get in the life-saving device. It takes a step, okay? So just believing that something is there doesn't mean you're saved. And so just believing that there's a God and believing that he's great, that's, that's not salvation. God spoke to Cornelius telling him to send for Peter, who would teach him what he needed to do. So Peter preached Jesus to him. And Oh, we need to read the next verse. Who's got that next one? Uh, 44 through 48. Riley. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also were poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So Peter preaches Jesus Christ and him crucified to Cornelius and his entire house. While Peter was preaching, the Holy Ghost falls on them that heard him. Cornelius was the first Gentile to receive the Holy Ghost. So up until that point, it was just for the Jews, or that's what they thought. It's just for the Jews. It's just for the chosen people. Well, then Cornelius gets the Holy Ghost, and it kind of threw things. I mean, people are like, whoa, Gentiles can get the Holy Ghost? I don't know about this. <laughs> and there were a lot that had a problem with it. But Cornelius, that's why I think it's cool because it's for everyone. How many of you know we're, we're Gentiles? I believe all of us in here are Gentiles. <laughs> so I'm thankful for Cornelius. I'm thankful that Peter, that the Lord sent Peter to preach truth to him. They knew that they had received the Holy Ghost how? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues. That is the evidence. That is the proof that you have received the Holy Ghost. Every time the Holy Ghost is poured out, there will be tongues. Every time. Okay? That's why I can't stand mask in church. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've been praying for people up at the altar several times, and we've got music going. You can't hear if they're speaking in tongues. I don't know if they got the Holy Ghost because of their mask on. I can't see their mouth moving. I'm just going to tell you. I mean, I know we got to wear them, but I don't like them in church when I'm praying for somebody because I need to be able to read their face to see if they're getting the Holy Ghost because I can't hear them. Anyway, that was just a little rant. So I'll be glad when this is over if it ever is over in Jesus' name. Because I need people to get the Holy Ghost. I need to see their mouth moving. I need to see them speaking in tongues. I can't do it when they got a mask on. But anyways, when Peter told the story later, he told them, he said, As I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as it did on us at the beginning. And then Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So what we can conclude from this and from historical records is that speaking in other tongues is the initial external evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay, now, tongues, speaking in tongues is not the Holy Ghost. It is evidence that the Spirit of God has come to live within you. Okay? Acts chapter 19, 
1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what, unto, unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. They spake with tongues and prophesied. All right, Mark chapter 16. These are just examples of, of speaking in tongues. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover." So Jesus is clearly explaining to the disciples as he's getting ready to leave and ascend into heaven. If you believe, and I know sometimes this scripture gets taken out of context and people say, well, right there, it just says that if you believe and you're baptized, then you're saved. But what else does it say? If you keep reading, he said, if you believe, then this is what's going to happen. You're going to cast out devils and you're what? Going to speak with new tongues. All right. So if you believe, that's not the end of it. If you believe, then you should be doing these things that he says. This is his last commandment before he leaves earth. Jesus is saying this, this is what we call the great commission. He said, you, you, you're going to believe and you're baptized. That's good. And those that believe not, that's really bad for you. But those that believe, these are the signs that will follow you. You're going to cast out devils. You're going to speak with new tongues because if you believe, then you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. All right? They're going to take up serpents. I don't suggest you take up serpents. Um, this usually doesn't end well. But And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen. Let me turn the page. Pardon me. All right. Receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is our conclusion. First of all, know that it is a free gift. It is free from God. You don't have to work to earn it. You don't have to jump through fiery hoops. You don't have to, you know, say seven Hail Marys and flip upside down. It is a free gift from God. All you have to do is receive it, all right? Know that it is a promise. We talked about this a few minutes ago. It is a promise, it's a promise. How many of you know somebody that if they say, I promise you, you know it, ain't, it probably is not going to happen. I don't care if you say promise till your face turns blue. <laughs> it's, you're like, don't hold your breath. But when Jesus says it, when the word of God says it's a promise, you can take it to the bank. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Who's reading this one? Hannah? As she reads it, I want you all to read it with her because I want you all to get this. All right, ready, go. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, Repent and be, be baptized, baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You what? You shall. 
Not you might or possibly, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is a sure thing. Acts 2.39, the very next verse. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God always keeps his promises. Always, always, always. Write always in all caps. Always keeps his promises. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is not slack concerning his promises. His promises are sure. I'm so thankful in a world that is unsteady and you don't know what anybody is saying if they're true or not, that the word of God is true. If God said it, you can, it's done. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Verbalize your faith by praising God in advance for baptizing you in advance for baptizing you with the Holy Ghost. If you have not received the Holy Ghost yet, maybe you have tried or you've been wanting it or you've got questions about it. First thing, begin to praise God and thank him for it. Thank him for the Holy Ghost. And if you need a new uh, re-baptism of it, how many of you could use some more of it? Me. <laughs> so if, if you need a, another infilling of the Holy Ghost, Paul, was it Peter or Paul? I think it was Paul that said, I, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. <laughs> I need to speak in tongues more. I need the Holy Ghost to pray through me more. I need an infilling of the Holy Ghost. I need him to fill me full every single day. One must have faith to thank God for the free gift that he has provided even before receiving it. If you have kids and they give you their Christmas list and they try to work on you by saying, thank you for getting that for me when it's Christmas, you know, and you're like, well, you don't even know what I'm getting you. But thank you. Thank you for getting me that. That's what we got to do. Say, God, I know this is for me and I know you're going to give it to me. <laughs> That's faith. Our kids have faith. They're like, I know you're going to get me that car. I just know it and thank you for it. Um, <laughs> but we've got to have faith to believe that he is going to give us the Holy Ghost. You must speak. You must speak. Acts 2 and 5. Did I give that to anybody? I did. Eric, go. Read it. This is the last one. Give it all you got. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Is that it? Well, that's not right. I wrote down the wrong one. Is that what it says in your workbook? Acts 2 5? 2 4. <gasps> 2 4. Yeah, read that one. All right, try, take two. And they were all filled with the Holy there Ghost we go. and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. You got to open your mouth. If you're praying for the Holy Ghost, you got to open your mouth. And this is kind of altar working. If you're praying for somebody and, and they're just like this and they've got their mouth closed, gently tell them. Don't be like, hey, open your mouth. You can't be like that. That's rude. But <laughs> just... Encourage them to speak out what they're saying. Tell them, a lot of times when I'm praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost, I'll tell them, I want you just to begin to thank God for the Holy Ghost. I want you to say it with your mouth because you got to get them talking. You got to get their mouth open. You can't receive something when you're closed up. And so that's a little altar working. We probably should do some of that soon. But anyways. Speak these words with the Spirit giving utterance is called speaking in tongues. And as we've already discussed, it's the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I want us to stand. 
And I want us just, if you have the Holy Ghost, I want you just to begin to thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank him that he gave you this gift of the Holy Ghost. And because of it, there are so many benefits that we're going to get to heaven one day. But while we're here, we're going to be overcomers. God, I thank you for the Holy Ghost tonight. God, I'm so thankful for this gift that you have given us, this promise, God, that is for us. That, God, you have reached down even in our sin and you have pulled us out of so many things. And, God, you've removed things from our life that are harmful for us. But, God, you have filled us full of your spirit. God, I'm so thankful tonight. God, I am not worthy of it, but God, you still saw fit. God, to fill me full of your spirit, and I'm so thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful that I get to enjoy, God, the fruits of your spirit. God, the peace that passes all understanding. I'm so thankful, God, for the spirit of God in this church, God, and I believe and I proclaim that we're going to see a massive filling of the Holy Ghost in our in our community. God, that tonight, even right now, Lord, as, as this lesson was taught, God, I pray that it would go out into the spirit world, and God, that you would draw people to you so that they can be filled with the Holy Ghost, which is the answer for our world. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, before we're dismissed, I've been working on this a little bit. I, I, I want to tie into our vision for the year. Our theme for the year is uh, a really a repositioning of our mindset to what, what we come to church for. Amen. That Certainly we come to get what we need from God, but I believe the closer that we get to the coming of the Lord, the more that we need the church to be where we come to be resourced to do something for God. And so I, I want to... Uh, I want to, you know, I think the tithers declaration, we've, we've made those statements of faith. And what does that help us to do when we get it? When we do get a raise, we give credit to God for that. Right. So those statements of faith help us not only to believe, but also to give credit to God when those things happen. So here, here I'm just we're going to work on this. But I want you to I want you to say this with me. First of all, I am trained in his ways. I am equipped by his word. I am empowered by his spirit. And I'm resourced to reach my world. Amen. Tonight we receive training. We received instruction. Amen. We need, we need his word. We need his spirit. But that's what we came tonight to do, to get trained so that we can go out and reach our world. So when somebody asks you, you know, what about this Holy Ghost? Well, you've been, you've been given some biblical instruction tonight to share with them. The Holy Ghost is for you. It's for everybody. It's not for religious people. It's not for good people. It's for all people. Amen. And well, what good is the Holy Ghost? Well, you got some instruction there that you can tell them this is why you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here's what it can do for you. Here's how you can receive it. All right. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.